And there were a few other questions too that occurred to me. One of them is, what are you afraid of? And what's behind that? And also, what are you holding on too tightly to? Welcome to episode 58 of the Leader Rising podcast. I'm your host and your coach, Paul Carvanis. We're here for people who want to live life fully, who want to go out there, love, explore, create, play, laugh, live, and do all of it, who want to get their mojo back and keep it forever. If that's you, welcome. Yesterday, I was listening to this podcast, uh, Minds and Mics with Nick Wignall. He was in, uh, interviewing Michael Bungney Stainer about reclaiming your ambition. Um, it's This guy's written a book, and the main point of the book is for you to get started. Not necessarily to finish your dream, but to get started on working on your dream. Um, the idea being that there's so much value and wisdom in momentum and the dream you think you have right now probably won't be the one you end up pursuing. So just get started, get working. And he proposes some questions to help people with their awareness. One of them was, uh, what's the benefit of the status quo? And what's the benefit of your big dream? And put those two together. It got me thinking about a few other knock-on questions. What's at risk by pursuing the dream? And a similar but slightly different question is, what's at risk by leaving the status quo? Sometimes you can actually pursue your big dream without leaving the status quo. So what's at risk by pursuing your dream and what's at risk by leaving the status quo? And there were a few other questions too that occurred to me. One of them is, what are you afraid of? And what's behind that? And also, what are you holding on too tightly to? And as I was thinking about these questions, I realized these would be so useful for some, most of the people who I know who are stuck, who just are stuck in the same patterns, who can't move forward, who can't build momentum, who can't make changes. You've probably heard me talk on this podcast before about internal family systems. The idea being that each of us is comprised of many parts, and those parts all want the best for us, and they don't always agree on what's the best for us. An analogy I've been working through as I sit here and look at the snow at the window is of a car stuck in a snowy street, and it just can't get out of the snow. So guy Driver rolls down his window, calls for a bunch of people, and they come and start pushing. And half of them go to the front of the car and push, and the other half go to the back of the car and push. Well, that car ain't going anywhere. And this is sort of what happens when our parts don't agree with one another. Now, if you move, let's say there were 10 parts, five at the front, five at the back, you manage to convince five at the front to go to the back. So now you've got one in nine, everyone's pushing. Well, you might be able to get the car unstuck. It's still not as good as if all 10 were pushing in the same direction, but it's certainly a lot better. So to that end, when we've got our different parts, it helps to try and get the parts working in the same direction. Okay, Paul, I hear you say, well, that's all well and dandy, but what does that actually mean? You're talking about people pushing snow. What does that mean about parts inside of me? 
Well, right now, you're listening to me talk. So there's a part of you that wants to listen to me talk. Maybe it thinks it should because you think you're going to learn something. Maybe it thinks you're going to enjoy it. Maybe both. There may be a part of you that's also hungry and is thinking you should get some food. There may be a part of you that's thinking about picking up the kids later or that project, that email that you just need to send and get done. And if you were to ask each of those parts, hey, what should I do in this moment? They might actually have a different answer. One part may say, you better get writing this email. Another part says, oh, go eat. You'll be able to concentrate better afterwards. Another part says, I oh, just listen. You're already listening. It's easy to just keep going. Okay, so let's work through an example. One is you just can't get any work done unless there's a fire under your ass. We've all been there before. Some of us have spent most of our working lives there, but you just can't get started earlier. There's a lot of different things that can come into play. So as I'm working through this example, I'm going to be pulling up an amalgam of people that I know and have talked to, clients, friends, myself. Um, this may or may not describe your exact situation, even if you are feeling um, that you can only work when there's a fire under your ass. But one of the common thoughts is worry. Worry that your work isn't going to be good enough. Maybe that the partner's going to yell at you or that the client is not going to be happy or that a mistake is going to come up later and it's going to tarnish your reputation. Another common thought is, I don't really want to do this. I'd much rather do X, Y, Z. I'd much rather work out. I'd much rather go have a snack. I'd much rather watch Netflix, play a computer game. Another common thing that happens isn't even necessarily a thought. It's a habit. The procrastination becomes a habit. And so when the fire is not there to break you out of the habit loop, you just keep going in your old habit loop. Oh, time to work. But yeah, let me check Reddit first. So if we go back to the analogy, your car is stuck. You're ready to start working. There's someone behind the car pushing saying, get your shit done. And there's someone in front saying, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do any of it. I haven't had a chance to see my kids in a week. I'm going to spend time with them, right? Just because you're not doing your work doesn't mean that it's actually bad. Our lives are full of trade-offs. And if you always, always, always put work first, that's the trade-off that's being made. There's that saying, I forget who by, that life is about juggling, and you're juggling a bunch of different balls, right? One is work, one's family, one's health, one is spirituality, and a few others besides. And part of life is eventually realizing that some of these balls are rubber. You drop the ball, it'll bounce right back up. And some of them are glass. If you drop it, it might get scuffed, it might get cracked, it might shatter, and you can't put it back together. And so part of growing up is realizing that, hey, work is actually the rubber ball. That's the saying, at least. That's a brief touch on procrastination. And I expect us to get back there again soon. Yeah, I picked up the book, The Procrastination Equation, yesterday. I was going to start reading it, but decided I would put it off. Another example I wanted to tuck into a little bit is I can't leave my job. I've known a lot of people like this. Some who've left, some who've not, some who are partners, some who are not, many who are lawyers. How will I pay for things? What would I actually do? Oh, this isn't so bad. Maybe it's just on me. Maybe I can make this work. And then the two 
I think, biggest speed bumps, the hardest ones to get over in my experience. What if it doesn't work out and I have to come crawling back? And what if I'm not happier? So let's run through our questions again quickly. What's the benefit of the status quo? What's the benefit of your big dream? What's at risk by pursuing the dream? What's at risk from leaving the status quo? What are you afraid of? What are you holding on too tightly to? Well, the benefit of the status quo is obvious. You're earning a ton of money. There's a lot of prestige. It's a big deal. People look up to you. There are so many other people that would kill to be in your position. Well, what's the benefit of your big dream? I mean, some people may not even have a dream. Many of us don't when we're in that spot. We're like, I, I honestly don't know. I don't know what would be better. And it's that indecision, thinking that this dream needs to be perfect, so therefore I don't have one, that helps keep a lot of us stuck. Sometimes, though, we do know parts of the dream, even if we don't know the whole thing. We know that parts of the dream includes actually being able to spend time with family, being able to exercise being able to learn new things, being able to challenge yourself in a way where you feel both safe and ready to grow. You see, there are things you might know about your dream, even if you don't know the full dream. What's at risk of leaving the status quo? Well, you jeopardize the money, you jeopardize the prestige. Um, I think a huge one is you jeopardize your reputation. You don't want people holding you out as the example of someone who made a foolish decision. It's scary, especially when you've worked so hard to get to where you are. And now what's at risk by pursuing the dream? You know, it may be possible to pursue the dream without leaving the status quo, without leaving your job. Maybe this looks like doing something in the evenings, taking a course, learning a new skill, starting a side hustle. Maybe this looks like changing how you approach your life to carve out a little more time. And whether that's setting firmer boundaries at work and when you're willing to work and when you're not, and how you're willing to be spoken to and not. Or maybe it's setting firmer boundaries with yourself and how you actually approach the work, what you've been doing that undermines your productivity. Maybe you can get all the same work done and instead of it taking 10 hours a day, it takes seven. Three extra hours a day is a lot. What are you afraid of? Well, in many cases, uh, we've touched on this a little bit, it's the fear of failing, the fear of leaving and it not working out, the fear of being held up as an example of someone who made a dumb decision, decided to follow their heart or believe that life could be better, and ruined and wasted all of the effort that they had put in. That is terrifying, and I will not be one to tell you otherwise. It's okay for it to be terrifying. What are you holding on too tightly to? I love this question. It's inspired by a quote I read from Pima Chodron, a Buddhist thinker. She says, if it hurts so much, it's only because I hold on so tightly. And I've seen that to be true in my own life, especially with respect to my perfection. It hurts because I hold on so tightly to this image of perfection because of what I think it means. I think it means being a great father, being a great husband, having them all love me, being respected in the community. So if I drop the perfection, if I drop one of the balls, I'm worried that that won't happen. 
And so this is an example of me holding on too tightly to perfection, to doing everything perfect, to keeping every ball up in the air. So what about this example of the person who's stuck in their job? What are they holding on to tightly? And if that's you, what are you holding on to tightly to? I mean, some of the common ones I've seen are the money and the creature comforts that come from that. So you're holding on too tightly to being able to take a bunch of different jet-setting trips a year, to being able to buy new ski gear for your kids every year, to being able to go out and eat at restaurants all the time. And I'm not judging any of those things. I love trips, I love eating at restaurants, and I love new gear. Don't get me wrong. What it comes down to, though, is the trade-offs. What are you giving up to get that? What else might you be holding on too tightly to? One really common one that not a lot of us realize is prestige. There's so much prestige behind being a lawyer. There's instant respect. It's hard to give that up. Me, I was bullied as a kid. And there is an incredible drive inside of me to make sure that that never happens again. And the way that drive has manifested for me has not been to make me figure out, you know, in certain social situations where a bully might come in, how to deflect that onto someone else or how to bully someone else first in turn. That's not how it's manifested. It's manifested in terms of me, me stepping above that, me making it so unlikely that I would ever be the person singled out for bullying because I've achieved a whole bunch because I've become someone that other people want to be friends with, because I am in shape, because I dress not terribly, <laughs> certainly not well by some people's standards. So you can see how these people, when you, when you move through these questions, if you're stuck, it can bring up a lot. And maybe, maybe it brings something up where you're willing to take a few changes without risking the status quo. I remember talking to my coach a few years back and saying, I need to be done. I'm, I'm done with being a lawyer. I need to leave. And she said, well, sounds like you only have two options in your head, right? One is to stay where you are in the status quo. And the other one is to leave your job and take the leap. What that is, is black and white thinking. And black and white thinking is often our saboteurs at play because the real world isn't set out in black and white. It's set out in shades of gray. And if you're only seeing black and white, you've got some lenses on that likely are not serving you. It's interesting, even as I was going through this exercise, both writing down some notes before recording and now recording, I felt the pressure. There's a lot of pressure that we put on ourselves when you're feeling like you should get work done, but you're procrastinating yet again. When you are beating yourself up because you think that you should be happy or you should have the courage to leave or the grace to just accept your situation. And that pressure that you put on yourself is not always that helpful. There's a way to act without pressure. There's a way to be pulled instead of pushed. And that pressure that you're putting on yourself to try and push you through it, it can also actually contribute to you being stuck. And so I think one of the biggest things here is to love yourself to go easy on yourself. We've talked about loving yourself a bit. I'm sure we'll talk about it a lot more. But one little thing I want to drop right now is, I think the most common reaction is people say, how? So how do you love yourself? Well, it's the same way you do anything else. You start. A journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. But it's the same thing here. You just got to start, however small. 
So what does that look like? Well, maybe it looks like you, the next time you make a mistake, saying, that's okay. That's okay. Don't worry about it, Paul. Maybe it looks like just pumping your own tires right now. Hey, you know what? You're doing great. You're a great person. You're a kind person. You're trying your best. Or maybe it's simply looking back and laughing at yourself. I find that actually works wonders for me when I just see the absurdity of what it is I'm trying to do and I laugh. That helps diffuse a lot of the pressure, even if I'm still trying to accomplish the thing. One thought I want to leave you with here is for the most part, I actually don't care what you choose. Whether you choose to have a life of work, whether you choose to have a life of leisure, a life of family, how you choose to balance it in your life, what you choose to pursue, what risks you choose to take for yourself, how much growth you put in there. What I do care about is how you've picked it. So often we're fed expectations by our parents, by our families, by our societies, by our workplaces, and we just accept them, thinking this is the way it's done. The old example, I think, was the white picket fence, the two kids, the car, the dog. The new example, I think, is the job that's demanding and that stretches you, but that you still manage to get done in nine to five or in nine to six, where you get to spend time with your kids if you have them and do a little bit of good in the world and exercise every single day and, and, and. But if that's not for you, don't chase it. And if you're not sure what is for you, that's okay too. Most people I know who say that are sure of some part of it, are sure of they want to be a little more relaxed. They want to be a little bit more peaceful. Okay, that's a start. That's a start. Until next time, dream big, live bigger, and lean into your own awareness of yourself and the life you want to live. Peace.